0: In 2006, sitting in a classroom of first graders in Salt Lake City, Utah, Saida Dahir, now a first-year student at UC Berkeley, didn't know that she was different.
1: I think my childhood was very, like, sheltered. A lot of the world looked the same to me every single day. All my teachers looked the same. Everyone in my classes looked the same. I make a joke that I just thought I was one of the white students in the class because, like, it was very homogenous.
0: Saida's family was from Somalia. She was born in a refugee camp in Kenya after her family fled the Civil War. They immigrated to the United States when Saida was three, so she doesn't remember anything of her life back then. Life in Salt Lake City was the only one she'd known.
1: But then when I like started becoming like a young girl, like I just... Knew that I wanted to be normal and wanted to fit in, so I really didn't. I really thought I was just one of the one of them. And um, and when I graduated sixth grade, I realized, yeah, I'm not. I'm not one of these. I'm
0: different. Throughout elementary school, she knew she didn't like how some people treated her. She knew it didn't feel right, but she didn't have a name for it back then.
1: I remember one day I was walking out of the classroom in like third grade or fourth grade, and these kids like they wrapped um, jackets around themselves, and they saw me and they jumped on the ground and they were like Allah Akbar."
0: It means "Allah is the greatest" in Arabic.
1: And they jumped. These are like ten year olds, and I was ten, and I was like, I just looked at it and I just laughed because I didn't I didn't really know I didn't know what was going on, and then. Um, in, like sixth, in, like, fifth grade, when we did a lesson about 9-11, I was like, that's why. It was just a lot of, like, aha, uh-huh, that's that's racism all my life. And then you become more aware because you have to become aware.
0: This is Fiat Vox, a Berkeley News podcast. I'm Ann Bryce. When Saida started middle school in seventh grade, she decided she wanted to wear a hijab, like her mom and older sister
1: i always wanted to wear hijab because, like, it's part of my religion, culture. Everyone in my family wore it. Like, it was just, it was just, like, there, you know, it was hijab. It makes, it makes you the person that, like, I saw my siblings and my sisters and my mom, people I look up to, and they wore it. So I was like, I guess I'll wear it too. And there's a lot of under, under meaning too. Like, I wanted to get closer to my relationship with God and so many other reasons.
0: Although her new school was more diverse than her other one, She says she felt even more exposed wearing a hijab.
1: I just noticed, like, the looks and the different attitudes. I tried even more to be likable because before I was just Saida. Then when I put the hijab on, I was a Muslim. You know, I, like, portrayed everyone. So I just tried my best to not be that Muslim or to be that loud black girl. Like, I just did even more to make myself go back into the background that I was before. And that, like, did, like a, it hurt a lot. Like, it took a
0: toll. But in eighth grade, everything changed. Saida had her first black teacher. His name was Michael Brandy. He taught journalism and English. Mr. Brandy helped her realize that she was powerful and special.
1: Yeah, he, I think that... He was the one that I was like, no, like, you're great. And I was like, maybe I am great.
0: Saida learned about who she was and where she came from. She read books written by black and international authors like Toni Morrison and James Baldwin. She learned about Somali history and poetry. Every day, Saida would eat lunch in Mr. Brandy's classroom, where they'd talk about what was happening in the news. It was here that she learned what it meant to be black in the U.S.
1: There are major developments tonight in the case of a neighborhood watch captain in Florida who shot and killed an unarmed 17-year-old. The U.S. Justice Department has now opened a civil rights investigation, and the local prosecutor has convened a grand jury to consider criminal charges. Justice correspondent Bob Orr has the latest. I remember Trayvon Martin happened, and his hearing was a couple of days, and and so I was like, I think that I think they'll win, and he looked me straight in the eyes like, they're not gonna win, like they're you're black and this is America, you're like, it's wake up like we're not winning, and it hurt, it really did. I was like, why so why why the pessimism? I was like, we could win. I was like fighting, I was like, no, I think we're gonna win this like, and then that night the hearing happened, and then I come back into class the next day, I was like. We lost like he's free and then like brown happened and then we were just i was he was there for all of that and
0: and then i became way more conscious saida started writing poetry she'd been writing poems and songs since she was a kid but this was different she felt like she'd woken up that she was starting to understand herself and the world on a deeper level and she wanted to express it In ninth grade, Mr. Brandy encouraged Saida to enter the school's talent show. And I didn't want to do it at all. I was like, I've never spoke my poetry in front of anybody. But eventually, she decided to go for it. It was in 2015 when Donald Trump was running for president. She wrote a poem called Paper and a Pen, about a proposal Trump made, which would later become an executive order in 2017, that placed stringent restrictions on travel to the U.S. for citizens from seven countries, most of which have populations that are predominantly Muslim. Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. It's known as the travel ban, or Muslim ban.
1: Dear Mr. President,
0: in those seven
1: countries, children can't even go to school. And here, we have the audacity to sit in class and drool. So many children wish for an education with no limitation, but they live in a nation where little boys learn about war way before they learn their ABCs, while their families are thirsty and dying of disease. And when those bombs hit, there's nowhere left
0: By her senior year of high school, Saida was writing and performing her poetry all over the country. She spoke about issues like police brutality and gun violence, at dozens of protests and rallies, like the refugee march, March for Our Lives, and Black Lives Matter. On the news
1: the other day, praying it wasn't ISIS related, and watch more of my people. Your radicalized then debated if all Muslims are terrorists. What about this white boy? It seems. There's a, a lot of things that we take for granted here in the, in the United States that I'm so blessed for. Like, I love, I, I'm so blessed. But I know that other people don't have it, and I know that there's flaws in what I'm blessed to have. So I, I'm also standing up for that. So it's like me being very grateful, but me also using my platform to be like, no, that's not okay. Okay.
0: In 2019, just days before Saida started at UC Berkeley, she released her first album of poetry called The Walking Stereotype. The album was released by the Little Village Foundation, a nonprofit record label that releases recordings by California's leading underground artists. It includes seven poems that she wrote between the ages of 12 and 18. Each poem is accompanied by musicians.
1: For six years of my life, And I just laid my heart into it, and I I really love it.
0: At Berkeley, Saida plans to major in media studies, something that she grew to love during Mr. Brandy's 8th grade journalism class. And although she says she'll continue fighting for what's right, she says she needs a break from her intense activist schedule to focus on her education. For Berkeley News, I'm Ann Bryce. You can subscribe to this podcast, Fiat Vox, spelled F-I-A-T-V-O-X, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. And check out our other podcast, Berkeley Talks, that features lectures and conversations that happen at UC Berkeley. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Berkeley News at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts.